The Truth News Network. When Star Trek begins to look like a documentary and reality begins to look like science fiction, where do you go to keep your head screwed on straight? It's not easy. The media certainly aren't helping, and governments worldwide don't want it. Well, we're here to help. We're TNN, the Truth News Network. And we'll feed you truth all day, all night, if necessary. And the man with the big spoon is Dan Newman. Got a big spoon of truth for you this morning. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Friday, Friday at TNN Live. Thanks for ending this week together with us here. And we're going to plug you in to some really good things today. Yeah, we normally talk mostly about the bad things going on. But you know what? There are good things happening as well. We're going to get into all of that. We've got some good news in the job market, job creations. These numbers just came out minutes ago. We've got those for you. There's President Trump news today on multiple fronts, as a matter of fact. And also, Joe Biden, President Biden, has actually done something that's good for the American people. What could that possibly be, and why would he do it? (laughs) Well, of course, he tells us everything he does is what's best for us. I don't think even he knows what he does, let alone if it's best or worse for us. But all that being said, we've got some really good news on multiple fronts. We're going to share that with you, and you're going to hear, get ready for this, from Hillary Clinton. Oh my gosh, you're going to play Hillary Clinton on this show, Dan? Why would you dare do that? (laughs) Well, she's illustrating something that is taking over the far left in the Democrat Party, and it's kind of slipping over to what used to be the middle ground, the moderates in the Democrat Party. Hillary Clinton on this show. I can't believe we're doing that. Well, we don't do it very often. But we've got one that I think you'll find important from her. And there's much, much more. So just sit back and relax with us for a little while. Say two hours, okay? And Aubrey was her name not so very ordinary girl or name but who's to blame for a love that wouldn't bloom for the hearts that never played in tune like a lovely melody that everyone sing Take away the words that rhyme It doesn't mean a thing And Aubrey was her name We tripped the light and danced together to the moon But where was June? Absent or was 
listening too fast Catching all the words but then the meaning going past God, I missed the girl And I'd go a thousand times around the world Just to be closer to her somewhere in your past that every once in a while, no matter how old you are, you look back over your shoulder and say, what if, what if we had gotten together? And if you're a woman, you can look back over your shoulder. I promise there's a guy in your rearview mirror that you could say the same thing about. What would have happened if I had married him or I had married her instead of my current spouse. Well, how do you know everybody has that, Dan? I don't know that for a fact. But when I talk to people about it, just coming up in casual conversation, people I know and have known for a long time, and they've known me, just talking about our past. Nothing big and serious. Marianne and I have been married 48 years. I look back in my rearview mirror And I ask occasionally the what-ifs, and she does too. Asking and doing something about it are two completely different things. I'm not thinking about doing anything about it. (laughs) It took me 48 years to break Marianne in, or if she was on the show, she would say her breaking me in. But I kind of like where I am in my life. I'm 70 years old. I used to think, looking at people around me, that older generation. I used to think at 70, they were ancient. We needed to put them up on the shelf and just get them out of the flow of everyday life. You know what I mean? We always thought, how could that person have accomplished what they've accomplished? I'm smarter than they are, or I work harder than they do, or I'm better looking than they are. 
whatever your lane is that you get in when you think about that. I promise, if you're honest, you'll agree with me. Every once in a while you think about that. Well, now, here I am. I arrived. And dadgummit, I'm a pretty good guy. I'm pretty smart, and I'm pretty good looking. Yeah. (laughs) At least I've been told that. Now, listen, I've got a wife and two grown daughters that each have grandsons and daughters of mine. And so they would be the first ones to say, Dad, uh-uh, that ain't going to fly. You got to do something else. <laughs> You're failing the test. Oh, well, it's Friday. We can talk about stuff like that. Well, it is Friday, and it's time to talk about our job situation around the United States. Released just minutes ago, got some good employment news. Employers across the U.S. added 336,000 workers to their payrolls in September. The unemployment rate, it stayed the same, 3.8%. So this is a much better than expected surge in employment. And there is kind of a maybe negative thing that goes along with this. This big job creation jump. It puts pressures on the Federal Reserve. Now, they are trying to slow down the employment, the additions that happen so quickly. And so they're going to try to cool it down. How do they cool it down? Oh, my gosh. They raise interest rates again. Uh, The Fed decided at its last meeting in September They were going to hold rates steady to see how earlier rate increases are affecting our economy. So prior to today, the market was pricing in around a 20% chance of a hike on interest rates at their next meeting. So in the preliminary report for August, the Labor Department said the economy added 187,000 jobs and the unemployment rate rose to 3.8%, which is 3.8% is where we are today. The change in employment for July was revised up by 79,000. That was from 157,000 to 236,000. And the change for August was also revised up, but by 40,000 from 187,000 to 227,000. Those combined to raise employment by 119,000 higher than what had been reported. So all of this is part of a, oh, I don't know, a formula that the Federal Reserve uses to determine when we need to slow down the growth in our economy so we don't get massive inflation. Economists had forecast the economy was going to add about 160,000 jobs for last month with the range of forecast in the Econo Day survey running anywhere from 105,000 to 235,000. So what does that mean? The results are much higher. And that means economy is even the most bullish that analysts had forecast our economy was going to be. Is that a bad thing? I, I look at it from a bunch of different ways. If the Federal Reserve will just not raise rates any higher, I mean, people are paying 7% for mortgage interest rates right now. And less than two years ago, they were 3%. In fact, it's gotten so that the report came out early this week that most Americans 
cannot afford to buy a home right now. So in the real world, what does that do? Well, if you can't buy a home, you're living somewhere, you're renting, you're leasing, or you're living with a relative or in some kind of other arrangement. So the housing market is going to go down. Interest rates go up. And so they want to raise the rates again. That's what they say they're going to do in their meeting next month. I'm not an economist. I'm not a stupid guy. I've been around a long time, owned a bunch of homes. Marianne and I sat down not long ago and just we just started looking back over the homes that we have either bought or built since we've been married, and it's more than 10. So we've been on this merry-go-round a bunch of different times, and we play, We paid back in, uh, in the late 70s. We got married in 75. Jimmy Carter was president. I said that quietly. Well, he was elected president in 76, November 2nd, actually. You know how I remember that? That's our youngest daughter's birthday. We remind her every couple of birthdays. You don't remember, but (laughs) one of the worst presidents in U.S. history was elected the day you were born. During that period, when interest rates went over 15%, we actually paid 15% for a mortgage on a home. Why would you do that? Well, that's the best we could get. We sold a house. We had to move somewhere. There wasn't anything around that we thought we could rent or anything that we could want that could be rented. So we bought a house, and we swallowed hard, and we made the mortgage payments. None of this stuff, none of this has ever happened in a Republican administration. Wow. Didn't think about that. Jimmy Carter, Democrat. Who came behind and fixed it? Ronald Reagan, Republican, served two terms. Who came after Ronald Reagan? One term, Bush, 41, George H.W. Bush. He only served one term. Interest rates didn't move. Who came after that? Bill Clinton, two terms. Rates went up a little bit. More than we wanted, but not nearly as bad as it happened in Jimmy Carter's administration. Bush 43 comes along. Everything cools off. Rates stay stable. Fortunately, in the eight years of Biden and Obama, there wasn't a big jump or a big move. And Trump interest rates went way, 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 way down. Way down. Employment was fantastic. More jobs created than had ever been created. More women working that had ever worked. More African Americans, men and women, employed than ever had been. Jobs were plentiful. Why was that all so good? Because of the policies that came out of the Trump White House. He was about making life better for the middle class And he didn't just campaign on that. He didn't just tell us during his four years as president that, look what I did. No, he didn't do that. He didn't have to. We experienced it. We watched it happen. 
And then here we are with Joe Biden, and the bottom fell out again. This is Jimmy Carter on steroids in this administration. So keep your fingers crossed that we don't go down that horrible interest rate keeps going up and up and up because it's no good for anybody. I take that back. You know who that's good for? It's good for the very wealthy people that live. They don't have mortgages. They don't need mortgages. They write checks for their real estate when they buy it. But you know what they have? They got a lot of cash. And so when those rates went up, the prime lending rate went up to 19% under Jimmy Carter. You know who made all kinds of money? Those rich people that had cash on deposit at banks and other financial institutions, and they were getting paid 1% over prime on their dollars. You mean they were getting 20% interest? Yes. Now, who can't live on that? Let me give you an example. You got $100,000, put it in the bank. You get one over prime, you're getting paid 20%. You leave it alone, you, that $100,000 turns into $120,000 in just one year. So, in any kind of economy, there's always somebody that does well. But to assist and give opportunities, financial opportunities to the greatest number of Americans, we have to have interest rates, especially mortgage rates, low. And the Federal Reserve is talking about raising rates again and probably are raising rates again. We're watching for you. We'll keep you posted. There is some good Biden administration news. Now, the headline, let me read a headline to you. The Biden administration flips on bigoted border wall after a long history of attacks on Donald Trump border wall proposals. So after years of criticism levied at former Donald Trump for his border wall proposals, the Biden administration has begun work on a new border wall in South Texas to stem a surge in illegal migration. Let me finish telling you what this is about, and then we'll assume some things. On Wednesday, DHS Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas, he cited, and and I'm quoting him here, an acute and immediate need to waive 26 federal laws. Now, what might those laws be? It includes the Clean Air Act, Safe Drinking Water Act, Endangered Species Act, and others. Why did they do this? To begin new border wall construction in the Star County area of the RGV, that's the Rio Grande Valley sector along Texas' southern border. The Biden administration had stopped new border wall construction in early 2021, and they claimed wall assembly under the Trump administration was just one example of the prior administration's misplaced priorities and failure to manage migration in a safe, orderly, and humane way. Think about it. Biden replaced Trump's southern border stuff. 
and Biden told us in 2021 he was replacing Trump's and his, Joe Biden's, his border treatment would manage migration in a safe, orderly, and humane way. And then for his entire two and a half years, he told Americans, told us all, our border is not open. It's closed. It's managed. Eight million illegals later, eight million illegals later. Did you get that? Oh, by the way, on top of the eight million illegal, add two million more. Those two million were the ones that came into the United States the legal way the way that we have for many, many years let people come into the United States at one million a year. That's the number that come here legally, get in the process, and eventually become U.S. citizens. Eight million under Biden's plan, two million that the plan he inherited from Donald Trump brought in. Rhetoric condemning the erection of border walls along our border has been a focal point of the current administration. Beginning in 2019, before Biden's official campaign announcement for the 2020 election. During an interview with CNN, Biden was confronted with a claim made by Trump, who said former presidents had told him they wished they had built a wall. Biden said, I don't know a single one. I can't think of a single one who said that. The former vice president then said the U.S. needs border security, but building a border wall is not the border security we need. Okay, that was when you were campaigning. You got elected January 20th, 2021. You took the oath of office. Where's your border security, Mr. President? You said it was going to be electronic. It was going to be very up-to-date. We weren't going to put people's lives in jeopardy. Where's all that? In an August 2020 interview with journalists from the National Association of Black Journalists and the National Association of Hispanic Journalists, Biden said he wouldn't tear down the existing border barriers under Trump, but he committed to stop further construction. There will not be another foot of wall constructed on my administration, he told NPR's Lulu Garcia Navarro. Biden noted his border protection policy would instead be based on ensuring his administration uses its, quote, high-tech capacity, end quote, to deal with issues at ports of entry. Well, that's working really well, isn't it? So after announcing her run for president in 2019, remember that? Our current vice president ran for president against Joe. So when she announced she was going to run for president in 2019, she referred to Trump's proposed border wall as a medieval vanity project. She would use the same language the following week during a CNN town hall. Let me be very clear, she said. I'm not going to vote for a wall under any circumstances, and I do support border security. That's our vice president now, 
Kamala Harris. She is the southern border czar. And so in tandem, how has this president and this vice president, how have they done securing our southern border without a wall or with anything else? (laughs) Eight million illegals. Oh, well. And then there's Alejandro, DHS Secretary Mayorkas. So he comes out yesterday after the announcement was made, and guess who made the announcement? It was him. Alejandro Mayorkas put the first news about this new section of border wall. He's the one that put it out there. So yesterday, he got a phone call from somebody, and all of a sudden he announces, I'm going to make a press briefing statement. And he tried to walk back his statement regarding the, and this is a quote from his statement, immediate need for construction of a border wall in South Texas. So in a Thursday filing in the Federal Register that authorized new border wall construction in the Rio Grande Valley region of Texas, Mayorkas wrote that there was an immediate need for this action. So, reporters pressed the Biden administration about the decision after the president pledged he wouldn't build any more wall during his tenure. I want to address today's reporting relating to a border wall and be absolutely clear. There is no new administration policy with respect to border walls. From day one, this administration has made clear that a border wall is not the answer. That's Mayorkas yesterday. He's clarifying things. No, he's not clarifying anything. He got the call and said, what the H-double-L-L were you doing? What were you talking about? We haven't changed our policy. So here's the explanation, and this just makes me feel wonderful, warm, and fuzzy all over. The funding for this project was appropriated back in 2019. The Biden administration's latest move includes an action to waive 26 federal laws to allow this construction. President Biden told reporters yesterday the administration had made attempts to get Congress to redirect the appropriated funding for the project, but he couldn't get Congress to do it. So they have to spend the money on what it was appropriated for, i.e. building in the wall. Mayorkas added this, that remains our position and our position has never wavered. The language in the Federal Register notice is being taken out of context and it does not signify, it doesn't signify any change in policy whatsoever. Oh, so the term, we have an immediate need to build another section of border wall. Somebody take that out of context. You said it, Mr. Mayorkas. This administration believes that effective border security requires a smarter and more comprehensive approach, including state-of-the-art border surveillance technology, modernized ports of entry. We need Congress to give us the funds to implement these proven tools, Mayorkas said. And where have those been proven, those tools, Mr. Mayorkas? And I'd like to see a draft of the legislation that you gave to Congress trying to get them to give you the money to quit letting people 
come over in between the ports of injury, but they would have to because of these new proven tools, electronic stuff, this technology changes you were going to make. Everybody's going to come to the right place to get in the country the right way. You know what's going on? It's election season. That's all that's going on. And then yesterday and early this morning, Biden has doubled and tripled down on his original thing. We don't believe in walls. Walls don't work. Well, Mr. U.S. President, why don't you talk to the leaders of the 77 other countries on the planet who have border walls, border fencing, and most of them have had that for a long time. And the principal reason most of them have that there in place is to stop illegal immigration from other countries into their country. And most of them work. I guess maybe putting up some border walls, if that's not the best out there, Joe, you didn't try to give us the best. Nobody's announced any kind of that technological expertise that you touted. And Alejandro touted again yesterday. Are the American people going to let them get away with that? We won't know till election day. But you know, I learned something a long time ago. You can't fix stupid. You can't fix stupid. Are you saying the president's stupid? No, I'm saying some of his ideas are stupid ideas. I don't think they're his. I think somebody... Whoever he bows to or listens to about all of the policies of this administration, whatever they tell him, he just takes it as gospel and he just parrots it to the rest of us. That is stupid. You're at a restaurant just after a meal. The bill comes. Sir, here's your bill. Oh my gosh, it's a whopping amount. (gasps) You pass it on to the next person. He. He passes it on. He. And on. We. Nobody likes unpleasant surprises. Well, why should you? With the new Hutt's Delight Meals, you won't get any surprises in your bill. Just pure value. Enjoy your favorites every day, from pizzas, pastas, to sides and drinks. From as low as 14 ringgit per person. Available for dine-in only. Hello, sir. I hear you having problems putting together your new kitchen unit. Oh, yeah. Uh, the instructions say... The what now? The instruction manual. It makes absolute... Stop reading that. Well, what would you suggest I use? I suggest you use the fact you're a man. Huh? Guys who got pride never relied on no guide, sucker. I'll give you some step-by-step instructions. <laughs> Buy Snickers, remove wrapper, bite chocolate, and get some nuts. Go to GetSomeNuts.tv for more Snickers man coaching. Get cracking and feel unbeatable with new omelet bites from Dunkin'. Bacon and cheddar or egg white and veggie. Made with cage-free eggs and packed with protein. Take on the day with new omelet bites from Dunkin'. America runs on Dunkin'. What's the biggest number you can think of? A trillion, billion, zillion. That's pretty big. How about you? Ten. Okay. How about you? Infinity. Can you top that? Infinity and one. Actually, we are looking for infinity plus infinity. Sorry. What about infinity times infinity? 
It's not complicated. Bigger is better. And AT&T has the nation's largest 4G network. You know, in the midst of all of this uh, southern border chaos, Joe Biden quietly announced they're about to begin deporting Venezuelans. Now put that in the context of what the law says. One of the immigration laws says anybody comes into this nation illegally when they are caught, stopped, whatever you want to call it, they by law are to be deported back to the nation from which they came. So we learned yesterday the Biden administration is planning on sending illegals back to Venezuela. Details? Along parts of the southern border, the Biden administration is now clearing the way for construction of new sections of wall. And its pressure there is growing. Overnight, the administration also saying it will resume deporting Venezuelan migrants. Just weeks after granting temporary protected status for those who traveled to the U.S. before August, the White House now saying they'll remove Venezuelans who arrived illegally after that date. Venezuelans currently the most common nationality of migrants trying to cross the border, where illegal crossings are on the rise. The Biden administration now waiving more than two dozen federal laws to allow Homeland Security to install about 20 miles of new physical barrier between Mexico and Stark County in Texas's Rio Grande Valley. President Biden arguing his hands are tied because Congress greenlit the project during the Trump era. I tried to get them to reappropriate, to redirect that money. They didn't. They wouldn't. Do you believe the border wall works? No. It's a major reversal for Mr. Biden, who is a candidate, had this to say. There will not be another foot of wall constructed on my administration. DHS Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas, among top officials meeting with counterparts in Mexico Thursday, said there's no change to the administration's approach. Border security requires a smarter and more comprehensive approach. But it comes as a recent surge of migrants has put a strain on resources from border communities. We are completely overwhelmed. We're done with the finger pointing and we just want solutions. To states hundreds of miles away, such as New York and Illinois, where Democratic governors have criticized the administration's handling of the migrant influx. Still, advocates like Roberto Lopez with the Texas Civil Rights Project says new walls won't deter people from coming. People are going to find a way to cross. Morgan, what do the latest numbers show on just how many migrants are crossing the border and what officials are expecting going forward now? Yes, Vanna, we've actually seen a bit of a dip since last week when we were approaching record levels. Customs and Border Protection says, though, on Wednesday alone along the entire U.S.-Mexico border, they encountered more than 8,000 people trying to cross illegally. And this past month of September set a high of 2023, more than 200,000 migrants crossing that month alone. That is why some are hopeful that when this barrier is built, it could hopefully drive some of those numbers down, but time will definitely tell. Savannah. All right, Morgan Chesky at the border. Thank you very much. So that is a mainstream media report about this whole thing. And of course, they made it narrowed down. It's because Venezuelans are where most of these illegals are coming from right now. 
So we're going to start deporting them again, making it sound like, you know, we hate to do that. Well, I know they hate to do it. The whole purpose is to help create a new class of Americans, a new class of Americans that all have one thing in common, and that's that they are here illegally, and they're here illegally because this president, Joe Biden, is the one who thumbed his nose at the rule of law, his oath of office to the Constitution and to the American people, and just opened the southern border. Of course, that makes him their hero. So they're going to be perpetually bound to when they get them registered to vote and they do so legally, they're always going to vote for those people who gave us this opportunity, the Democrat Party. That's what it's all about. Now, what is this sudden shift? What does it mean? What does it plan to do? Is it going to literally is the plan to stop illegal immigration coming across the southern border. No, this is just one small stretch of the southern border in the Rio Grande Valley. I know right where it is. Mission, Texas. I've stayed there many times when I had the arena football team. We played a team down there. We went down twice a year and played them, and we stayed in our bus right next to the border in the Rio Grande Valley, right next to it, literally less than 200 feet away. It's not about stopping anybody from coming. It's about a perception to people that are against illegal immigration. You know, those evil MAGA Republicans, those cultists. And we're going to get into that in just a minute with Hillary Clinton. But it's to make those people feel like, hey, finally, finally, Joe Biden and Alejandro Mayorkas are doing the right thing. Maybe we ought to give them another chance. Fat chances, that's going to happen, right? Well, let me tell you exactly how Hillary Clinton feels about you if you happen to be one of those MAGA folks. She said yesterday on CNN's primetime that she thinks there needed to be a, listen to this, her terminology, a formal deprogramming of the cult members who support former President Donald Trump. I'm going to let you hear it from her in just a moment. But let me just, when you're listening to her with Amanpour, the foreign, um, she's got the heavy British accent. I like her voice. She's been around forever. I think this was on NBC. I can't I can't remember which one it's on. But anyway, they're talking through this. Now, Hillary is talking about me and you. Me and you. Talking about us being cult members because we supported Donald Trump. Now, Listen to, I don't know, three, four minutes of this interview with Hillary and keep what I just told you in mind. So for those outside this country who may not know, it is not so much a, a, a fight between two different parties. It's an internecine warfare within one party, the GOP. Yeah. 
So when you look at how to go forward for the countries, you say, is there any area of coalition building that could happen? There are pragmatic Republicans, as you say. Could there be a new, a whole new way of trying to, you know, get legislation going and cross-party governance going by Democrats and certain Republicans forming a coalition? Well, you saw uh, the number of Republicans who voted along with Democrats to keep the government open. So there's clearly a common sense, uh, you know, sane uh, part of the Republican caucus in the House. Um, but I think they are intimidated. Uh, they um, oftentimes, you know, say and do things which they know better than to say or do. And it will require us defeating those most extreme measures uh, and the people who promote them in order to try to get to some common ground where people can again work together. That's the way it used to be. I mean, we had very strong partisans in both parties in the past, uh, and we had very bitter battles over all kinds of things, gun control and climate change and the economy and taxes. But there wasn't this little tail of extremism waving, you know, wagging the dog of the uh, Republican Party as it is today. Mm -hmm. And sadly, so many of those extremists, those mega extremists, um, take their marching orders from Donald Trump, who has no credibility left by any measure. He's only in it for himself. He's now defending himself in civil actions and criminal actions. And when do they break with him? You know, because at some point, you know, maybe there needs to be a formal deprogramming of the cult members, but something needs to happen. And how do you do that? Because you said you have to defeat them by defeating their leader. Their leader right. is Donald Trump. Even you have said that you expect him to be the Republican nominee. How does this change at all? At this point, I think, sadly, he will still likely be the nominee and we have to defeat him. And we have to defeat those who are the election deniers, as we did in 2020 and 2022. Um, and we have to you know, just be smarter about how we are trying to uh, empower the right people inside the Republican Party. You know, Nancy Pelosi had a majority of five votes when she was speaker. Kevin McCarthy had a majority of five votes. Nancy Pelosi passed consequential legislation. And she clearly had members within her caucus who, you know, ranged across a spectrum of political beliefs and ideology. And she kept everybody together and she kept everybody focused on the future. Mm -hmm. He couldn't do that. And so he paid a price. But more importantly, the country paid a price. And so when you see another matchup between potentially Trump and President Biden, what goes through your mind and particularly how do you process that this person who defeated you back in 2016 is still at it, given all that you've said, 91 indictments, you know, civil fraud, sexual transgressions, according to the courts? How, how is this still happening? It's the classic tale of uh, an authoritarian uh, populist uh, who really has a grip on the emotional, psychological uh, needs and desires of a portion of the uh, population. And I'm going to stop right there. You heard Hillary Clinton giving Christine Amanpour the answer to how to handle Trump. What do you have to do? How to get rid of him? Well, she doesn't know. She couldn't do it in 2016. Didn't do it. 
But have you noticed how greatly she's diminishing every conservative in the country? And she's saying, she used the words, Donald Trump is an authoritarian, and he has captured all of these people. And when she puts everybody in her basket of deplorables, as she called every conservative, that means you're lesser than anybody that thinks like she thinks. In other words, the American people, the 75 million American people that voted for Donald Trump, need to be formally deprogrammed because you're a conservative, you think conservatively, we're the ones that are the enlightened ones. You need to quit listening to anybody that believes in the rule of law and the Constitution. You need to put away those people that want us to stop sneaking around in our public schools nationwide and teaching kids how to quietly transgender, make the transition without letting your mom and dad know about it. That's normal. And it's normal to not enforce the rule of law. Oh, look around at the nation. Look at the big cities. We're the only ones. There's only one Republican mayor of one of the top 10 biggest cities in the nation. And he's one of those people that needs to be deprogrammed according to her thinking. Who is that? It's the mayor of Dallas, Texas. By the way, African-American man, longtime member of the Texas legislature, runs for mayor, gets elected as a Democrat. And he kicked his Democrat badge out his front door a couple of months ago and came over and is now a conservative. And they are beating him to pieces, putting him in the same basket of deplorables that Hillary puts the rest of us. And you notice she said there's a little hanging tail. (laughs) We're a hanging tail, we evil conservatives, but she's not through. Let's continue. And the base of the Republican Party, for whatever combination of reasons, and it is emotional and psychological, um, sees in him someone who speaks for them. And they are determined that they will continue to vote for him, attend his rallies, wear his merchandise, because for whatever reason, he and his very negative, uh, nasty form of politics resonates with them. Maybe they don't like migrants. Maybe they don't like gay people or black people or the woman who got the promotion at work they didn't get. Whatever the reason, you know, Make America Great Again was a bid uh, for nostalgia to return to a place where, you know, people could be in charge of their lives, feel empowered, say what they want, insult whoever came in their way. And that was really attractive to. Not only is it attractive, Ms. Clinton, it is part 
of being an American. It's being able to not have to bow to somebody on the hard left and be afraid to even talk about the cheating that happened in the 2020 election. Or as you termed in the opening part of this segment, you determined it election deniers. You even put a title on everybody who disagrees with you. And we know at least 13 different cases in states around the nation where there was fraud in their elections. But you can't talk about it because you'll lose your job at Fox News like Tucker Carlson. You'll get kicked off of major news shows if you're even a minor player in a news show on one of the mainstream media outlets, you have to not only not talk about potential election fraud, you've got to go the other way. You have to, in public, state you you believe that every vote that was cast in 2020 and 2022 was cast legally. In other words, Miss Clinton, you are an authoritarian leader wannabe. You can't even get your own people to elect you. Why is that? Because people want to be free. People want the liberties that were given to us, not by our government, as her forefathers made very clear, but our rights are ours endowed by the creator, not a politician. To um, a significant portion of the Republican base. Uh, So it is like a cult. And Somebody has to break the uh, you know, <laughs> break that momentum, and that's why I believe Joe Biden will defeat him, and hopefully then that will be the end, and the fever will break, and then uh, Republicans can try to get back to you know fighting about issues among themselves and electing people who are at least you know responsible and accountable. You know those evil things we want to get back to. And I'm not a Republican. I'm a registered independent, but I want to get back to where I can pay my bills, where my loaf of bread, my 45 calorie per slice bread loaf doesn't cost $5. It goes back to $2.50. And I go back to what I was paying for gasoline and what I paid the day that Joe Biden was elected president, supposedly elected president, by the way. You're one of those deniers. I don't know if there was enough bad voting, illegal voting to change the results. But let me ask you, how many votes is it okay with you that get cheated, get changed, that are unlawful votes that are cast and counted? How many is okay? What's your number? Mine is, it's not okay for a single one. We as a nation are better that, than that. But let's get, let's, let's listen to what she said. The Republican Party needs to get back to where it was. Where it was was when there was a permanent Democrat government, House, Senate, White House. That's where we're supposed to be so the enlightened ones can rule the world. We're really authoritarians, but we don't want to let anybody know that. We just want to keep touting authoritarian ideology and we want to put down all of the free thinkers that believe in the rule of law and that there's equality for everybody and it's not controlled by the government. We want to get to that $1.65 a gallon of gas. We want to get to the place where you don't have to worry about what you 
say as a handle in front of the name of somebody you're speaking to. You can't say when you're in the classroom any longer, Miss Jones, because if you say Miss, oh my gosh, you're putting her in a a bad way. You can diminish her by calling her Miss. You don't know what her preferred pronoun is. Do you think you're better off today than you were when Donald Trump was president, even during COVID? Now, I'm not saying it was a good thing that COVID happened. It was a horrible thing. And even that, we find out, government people that worked for you and me are complicit in the development, the exacerbation of that Virus making it weaponized against people happened on our dollars. We paid for the research for that to hurt uh, happen. And Anthony Fauci was at the top of the heap. That is factual. They don't even want to talk about it. Oh, you want us to just accept the fact that every vaccine for COVID, every one of them that has been invented, including the brand new one that they just put out and came up with, and they're recommending that every American take this shot. It is not approved by the CDC. It is not approved by our government. None of them are. None of them. Pfizer, Moderna, Johnson & Johnson, those millions of jabs that were passed out, they were approved temporarily under emergency use authorization only. Do we need to go back to that type of government, Hillary? If we get a chance to vote, I'm out on that one. I want to be free. I want to be back where I make decisions for my family and me and my wife based upon what's best for us. And I want it all to be based on what's good that comes from the rule of law and the United States Constitution. Your husband numerous times had sex with an intern in the Oval Office while you were the wife of the president for two terms. I never once heard you publicly diminish Bill for any of those actions, but you did go after the girl who he victimized. You think we should go back to that, Miss Clinton? I would think you would be a better person if you would just trust the good American people to know what's best for them and their families and their lives and that we need to get away from these intrusive government overreaches that has turned this nation close to being a third world nation and go broke. Oh, all the while, while we're paying the bill for countries across the world, taxpayer dollars and lying about that as we're doing it our government is anyway i don't want that anymore always get the truth on tnn the truth news network find it exclusively at truthnewsnet.org 
25 years after the original movie, Fox is bringing you back to where it all began. Nobody puts baby in the corner. This is the real Dirty Dance. Yeah. Eight celebrities compete to become the real baby and Johnny. Look at my Johnny is. Some will rise. Some will fall. All will have the time of their life. The Real Dirty Dancing four-week event starts Tuesday at 9 on Fox 5. You're driven all night. Everyone has one. The guy that's fun to be around, but he's dangerous to be around. You've got to keep him away from your things, like your tools, your gadgets, and your girlfriend. So before you get your juvenile mate around, get your lips around a Dare Ice Coffee. The real Arabica and Robusta Coffee Kick will tell you what to do. Hire a jumping castle. Hours of fun for kids of all ages. A Dare Ice Coffee Fix will fix it. The verdict is in. Judge Dean Harvey is a hilariously good time. What do you think she spent money on? Lipo and a butt job. You got as long as you need to respond to that. Judge Dean Harvey. Tuesday on ABC. In a world of change, one thing remains constant. The bedrock of truth. Welcome to the Truth News Network. Truthnewsnet.org Okay, I'm calm now. Hillary's not on stage anymore. That woman. I'll just say this and then we'll move on. Do you know that she and President, former President Obama are the two people who together created ISIS in Syria. Do you remember that? You remember the Benghazi stuff that was all wrapped around that? We were, the United States was funding a group of Syrian rebels that were graciously going after the president of Syria for gassing his own people, Basra Assad. And so we gave this little group of Syrian rebels, we gave them weapons, we gave them millions of dollars, they were putting their group together and building it. That was all on Hillary and Barack's watch. They colluded to do it. Nobody else knew. That was a great decision, right? Basra Assad is still the president of Syria. He never went anywhere. And those little rebel rabble-rousers turned into ISIS. Thank you, Hillary. Your wisdom is amazing. And, oh, by the way, thank you for diminishing me, a conservative that supports former President Trump. Why do I support him? It's not because I'm a cult member. It's because he promised to do a bunch of things when he was campaigning, which every, every candidate does. If you elect me, this is what I'm going to do. Bam, 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 bam. Trump was no different. But you know why he was elected over you? When people looked in your rearview mirror, they saw who you really were, not who you told them you were, but who you were when you ended up as a senator from New York, as a secretary of state, They saw what you were when you ran for president. So why would it be any different for Donald Trump when he ran against you? He promised to do things, and the difference is, when voters looked at his rearview mirror, they saw a bunch of success. They saw 
in his past a lot of really, really good things that he did for people that he didn't have to do. Hundreds of stories came out documenting that. And he never once put them out himself. Other people did. I don't think there's a long line of people lined up to talk about the great things you and Bill did for them on a personal level. That's why people today are supporting Trump. Don't you know it frost her when she heard this this morning? The Trump campaign announced $45 million of fundraising for the third quarter this year. Over $37.5 million of cash on hand in a release that was sent out Wednesday night. The campaign noted that Florida Governor Ron DeSantis had only $5 million in cash on hand for the primary, linking to a New York Times report. DeSantis's campaign, they raised $15 million in quarter number three. Robert Bigelow, by the way, he's the donor, the heavyweight donor that gave DeSantis $20 million. He said in August he was through donating because DeSantis didn't moderate his policy positions. In an impressive testament to the overwhelming grassroots support behind President Trump that will lead to dominating victories, close to $36 million of total cash on hand is designated for the primary. What are the numbers today? Trump's got a big lead over DeSantis in the real clear politics average. 56.5% of Republican primary voters, 13.5% for DeSantis. Former ambassador to the U.N. Nikki Haley is in third with 7.4% and businessman Vivek Ramaswamy in fourth, 5.6%. Hillary, do you think Americans are stupid? I mean, come on, let's be realistic. Every American, tens of millions of Americans, according to your definition, are cult members that are hanging on to their cult leader. Why? Just because he's a cult leader. (laughs) The reason you weren't elected is because you had a past. Donald Trump's got a past. And every time one of your buddies... Democrat buddies go after Trump for something else. His numbers go up. Americans are not stupid. We see through the cloud of politicization. Many Americans that have in the past just voted for whoever was running from their specific party, they thought, you know, I'm a Democrat, so I'm going to vote for a Democrat, any Democrat that runs. Or I'm a Republican, I'm going to vote for any Republican that runs. Tens of millions of those people have awakened because of what's happening and has been happening since you and Bill were in the White House. There is substance, and substance is what people not only want, They demand today. Yes, Donald Trump is in court. Stupidest things I have ever seen. Oh, by the way, your buddies impeached him twice. None of it was successful because it was a sham. All of these things, almost without exception, let me just say this. If there was factual killer evidence 
of Trump doing anything illegal or wrong, you and I both know it would have been front front page news at the New York Times, the Washington Post, the LA Times, Chicago Tribune, every major city, it would have been front page news, even if it was something that was paltry, but it was something that he really did that was criminal or evil. Have you noticed nobody in the news is talking about the Mar-a-Lago classified document stuff? You know why? Because they found out Joe Biden has 1,800 boxes of classified documents scattered across the places in his world. 1,800 boxes. And they were told, first time anybody's bothered to say this, there is separate rules and laws for presidents who handle classified documents compared to U.S. senators and vice presidents that handle classified documents. And it's real simple. It boils down to this. There are a lot of reasons and purposes that former presidents get to keep in their possession classified documents. They have arbitrary power to determine what is classified and what isn't. That's the only position in government that has that power. Joe Biden, when he put together his 1,800 boxes of classified documents, he wasn't a president. He didn't have authority for one page of those 1,800 boxes of classified documents. So now, nobody's talking about Morlago anymore. Oh my gosh. And this charade down in Atlanta, Georgia? I heard that telephone conversation. I've listened to it, the one between him and the former Secretary of State of of Georgia. I've heard that a dozen times. He did not do what every mainstream media, he did not say, hey, I need you to find some boats to give to me, enough so that I would be the winner. He didn't say that at all, but that's been trumpeted all over mainstream media. But now, all of a sudden, we find out there is no substance in the charges against him in Atlanta. That one's not even being talked about. But what is the civil trial that's going on in Washington, D.C.? And even that one is getting blasted and diminished every day. Trump's lawyers asked the judge overseeing the classified documents case to postpone the trial until after the election. Now, why would they do that? Look, it's a freaking election season. Primaries start right after the first of the year. He's in the middle. He's required to be in this courtroom in New York. This trial there is a monkey trial. It has no substance. It's got a judge that is doing things Nobody has ever seen any judge in American history do. He actually, before the trial even started, he ruled Trump was guilty of fraud on multiple levels. Trump's arch nemesis, now the Attorney General of New York, she put, she checked a box on the scheduling document for this trial. 
she and her state against Donald Trump, that it was to be a trial without a jury. And they picked the, and I don't know the man, but on a judicial basis, what I've seen, what I've heard and read about things that he's done and said, he is unqualified to be a judge. If anything comes out of that one, it's going to be kicked to the curb. Trump's just asking, look, I've got all this stuff. We're in an election cycle. We don't need to be doing this. I need to be on the campaign trail. And what you're doing, and this applies to every one of these cases, our Department of Justice, Merrick Garland, he's in the tank, Christopher Ray, FBI, they're all in the tank. The timing, it's not even suspect. The timing proves they saved all of this to put it out there to file charges and all these suits against Donald Trump during the election cycle. It, by definition, by definition, all of this is election interference. And Merrick Garland's one that bragged for years, oh, we don't bring action against anybody, especially a president or anybody that is a campaigner because they're running for office. We back off during election season. Somebody got to Merrick Garland. Somebody must know something about Attorney General Merrick Garland because he's making decisions now. I don't think he's a stupid man, but he's doing things that stupid people do. Hmm. So we don't we haven't said much lately about Florida Governor Ron DeSantis and his bid for the White House. It leaked out overnight that he's betting his campaign on an all-or-nothing bid in the Iowa caucus. He's moving a third of his campaign staff to the Hawkeye State while he has around only $5 million in available primary funds in his war chest. Now, this is coming from the New York Times. This marks a pivotal moment for DeSantis as Iowa is the first Republican voting state in the nation. Its caucus in January represents one of only a few chances to reverse narratives surrounding his campaign that just hasn't picked up speed. In fact, it's gone the other way. During that time, frontrunner former President Trump has been indicted four times, coalesced a majority of support regularly reflected in national polls, And he's getting those huge numbers, more than 50%, when we've got seven other people, eight other people in the race running against him for the nomination. Staking it all on Iowa appears to be a daunting endeavor for the DeSantis campaign, considering that Trump is, uh, he's above 50% of support of the Hawkeye state as of this writing reached 51% in a CBS News poll conducted two weeks ago. DeSantis is 33 points behind Trump in Iowa. If he's all in for Iowa, then why hasn't Ron DeSantis been in, where's he been in three weeks? Trump senior advisor Jason Miller told the Times, this isn't something he can afford to do since he's trailing by more than 30 points. Yep, they admit it. The Santa's campaign, they're low on cash. 
Trump's campaign outpaced his weakened rival in third quarter fundraising at a three to one rate. Trump raked in $45 million in the third fundraising quarter, DeSantis only $15 million. Florida governor began October with about $13.5 million, but only a fraction of that can be used in the primary. Aides acknowledged that only five of the $13.5 million is eligible to spend in the primary season, meaning that money remains tight for a campaign that has yet to air any television ads. The strap campaign has left advertising and most other campaign operations to a well-funded outside group. Conversely, rivals like Trump, Vivek Ramaswamy, have already launched TV ads, blitzes through their campaigns. For example, Ramaswamy unveiled his identity crisis ad in late March in a multi-million dollar buy in Iowa and New Hampshire while the Trump campaign aired a blistering ad in August batching prosecutors who are pursuing criminal charges against him as the fraud squad. Ron DeSantis has done all of this to himself. This is self-inflicted. I have said since the very beginning, him getting in this campaign as a presidential candidate was going to cost him. The path was, it was handed to him that would have made him president at least two terms. He had a great relationship with Donald Trump. Donald Trump was the one that really pushed him over the top in his bid for the governorship in Florida. Donald Trump supported him heavily. If DeSantis was smart... And when he didn't do this, it made me think he's not as bright as I hoped he was and thought he was. Because I think he's a smart guy. And he's done some wonderful things in the state of Florida, better than most governor, other governors in the United States. But here's where he made his mistake. He should have gone to Donald Trump. And I mean, they live, it's not down the street from northwest Florida where DeSantis lives down to Mar-a-Lago. It's a ride. But DeSantis has access to a plane. He could have gotten down there, should have gone in and, and said something to this effect. Mr. Trump, thank you for your assistance. You helped me. You pushed me over the top to be elected governor of Florida, and I'm, I'm eternally indebted to you for that. I would like to someday be president. And I've learned a lot and been able to do a lot of good things on the state level, economically for Florida, also standing up against the hardcore leftists on all of these things. I stood up against the Disney people, and we won. I've got that kind of stuff kind of handled, but I'm a novice on the other parts of what it takes to be a good president. Would you consider letting me run on your ticket as your vice presidential partner, And during the four years of your presidency, your final four years, you take me along and teach me all the things that I don't know, like foreign policy, dealing with foreign leaders. What's economic negotiations like with these country leaders that are so vastly different from each other? Could we do that? 
I still think if DeSantis had done that very thing, he would be in the perfect spot, be with Trump for four, and then him step up with Trump's endorsement at the end of that four years. Trump would do anything and everything he could to help him, and you know that is a big push to have that vote behind you. And even if you don't like Donald Trump on a personal level, you gotta you got to like the things he did for you. Yeah, he made some mistakes. We all do. But thankfully, he made fewer mistakes than he did good decisions, good choices. DeSantis would have been in D.C. as our vice president for four and president then for eight. Would that not have been a boon for the conservative cause in the United States instead of us listening to Hillary Clinton diminish any conservative, any conservative policy, anything and anybody conservative, and she lumps us in to what she calls a cult, her basket of deplorables. Hillary Clinton is one of the most evil people I've ever seen in politics. And I don't know her. I've never met her. I know a lot about her. She was with with uh, Bill all those years that they were in Arkansas together, and that's when I lived 20 miles from the Arkansas border. So they were in the news here all the time. I knew a lot about her, and I've watched her as she went to D.C., and then went to New York. They moved up there, got their house, and became a U.S. senator for the state of New York. She's got a lot in her rearview mirror, and a lot of it's not too good. A lot of it is not too good. Back, Let's go back to Joe Biden, some of the stuff he's doing. This kind of came out, and I think they should have trumpeted this in the last couple of days, but he has finally launching an attack is Joe Biden, President Joe Biden, on our fentanyl crisis. That is a legitimate crisis. Hundreds of Americans are dying innocently, getting caught up, taking fentanyl-laced tablets that they thought were benign, but they're coming from places like China. After several years of allowing China to poison our citizens, about 100,000 per year, Joe Biden and crew finally taking some action. The Justice Department announcing it will be pressing charges on eight Chinese companies and their executives for being in cahoots with the Mexican drug cartels. The two together have been successful in fueling a drug epidemic in this country, killing more than 100,000 Americans a year. What took Biden so long? Joining us now, Fox and Friends weekend co-host, Will Kane. Good to see you, Will. So it's amazing, uh, you know, who could have predicted this, that you turn your southern border over to drug, the drug cartel and Mexican warlords, and then you have a massive drug epidemic? Yeah, who could have ever seen that coming, to your point, Charlie? You know, I am absolutely fascinated, and I would love both of you to give me your best in this conversation. I'm absolutely fascinated by the turnabout of the Biden administration on everything related to the southern border in the past 24 hours, from the border wall to fentanyl. And I I have a couple of thoughts. First, um, it shows that elections do matter. 
We know that the Biden administration has been very well aware of the effects of their border policies for several years, and they haven't cared. They haven't cared about the effects of fentanyl nor the wide open doors of the southern border. Now they're worried about its effects electorally. They're hearing Democratic mayors complain. They're worried about a price at the ballot box, and so they're willing to change. And in a way, that should be encouraging because it shows that elections do have consequences. But we should also be unforgiving because they didn't care until it looked like it would harm their own self-interest. They didn't care about literally Americans dying from fentanyl overdose, fentanyl poisoning, excuse me, let me correct myself, fentanyl poisoning. They didn't care until it looked like it could impact their job. But I still remain, Charlie and Dagan, fascinated by this turnabout. I mean, at the very least, if you're watching and you ever voted on the left, you have to feel like you have been the mark like you got played on the streets of New York City in a shell game. They sold you that you were a virtue signaling warrior on the right side of a white supremacist wall, making sure that never went up. And now, because the consequences are so clearly felt, they're arguing to bypass federal law, 26 of them, to erect the thing that they used to call white supremacist and attack the problem of fentanyl. I mean, if you voted that way and thought that you were on the side of the anti-racist or whatever motivated you to embrace open policies, open border policies, don't you have to feel like you were the mark in a con? Yeah. So the, I guess, with the, uh, honestly, they're admitting now they're racist. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, I mean... I mean, I guess the most charitable thing we could say is they're admitting that they're wrong, but I don't think they think that. I think they just think, oh, my God, we're going to get voted out. So now we're going to have to be the thing that we used to accuse them of being. I guess we're white supremacists. We want a wall. Well, in terms of is, they're sadists because (laughs) this is intentional suffering and misery and death that they have inflicted upon the American people knowingly and inflicted upon illegal migrants, the dead children, the dead mothers. Just think about how many people we have lost because of the combination of illegal immigration with rampant crime that has come in with many of those illegal immigrants. More than a hundred people on our terrorist watch list have been exposed when they came across our southern border. And that's just since Biden's been president. How many more came before that? Now, Donald Trump had illegal immigration trickling when he left office. There's no doubt about that. But certainly there were people on the terrorist watch list that slipped in here. Why would there be a hundred plus allowed into the United States? And why would it be okay with any person, especially a president of the United States, who is has the number one charge to keep us safe. And boy, we could spend all day talking on government keeping us safe, looking at the rampant criminality that is just blowing this nation apart. And I, I appreciate that a lot of our leaders in these big cities especially or awakening to there being a problem with law enforcement and this leftist charade that was initiated and supported by people like Hillary Clinton and uh, Joe Biden, Barack Obama. Of course, they'll say, we don't like criminality. But you don't stop criminality. You don't stop criminals and don't prevent them from breaking laws if there is no accountability meted out 
when they do break those laws, these these district attorneys that have been funded in millions of dollars by George Soros, who hates democracy, he hates the government of the United States, and he brags about his hating it, and he has targeted these leftist DAs across the nation to give money to to prop up so that when they get elected, they can begin to attack the rule of law from inside of the DA's offices. Cashless bail? (laughs) I, I don't understand that philosophy. And when it was rolled out at the very beginning of this process and we saw the results of what happened, people would commit, many of them, really bad criminal actions against other Americans. They get arrested. And before the person that was hurt gets out of the hospital or even the sun sets on that day, these criminals that may have done actual hard felony criminal acts, they get loose. They're turned away. They're logged in. They give them a court date and say, see you later. We'll see you later. No bail. Those are the people that should be kept off the streets. And many of them are repeat offenders. And they go out and they're even emboldened. Oh, you should have never let me go. That's the world in which we find ourselves, folks. And it's because we elect these people. We can't say it enough. We're the ones that decide the future of this nation. And we've got to make the hard decisions. And structuring our government and the way it operates from top to bottom around the tenets of the U.S. Constitution and the laws that have been made by those who we elect and send to D.C., they craft the laws and put them in place. Members of Congress, members of the Senate, and people that live in the White House, we're the ones that pick them. We should pick the ones that tell us when they're running, we're for the rule of law. And they take an oath of office and they promise to enforce the rule of law and keep us safe and then don't do it. And we just keep sending them back and in many cases give them promotions. Ah, What's the definition of insanity? Doing the same thing again and again and again expecting different results. We got to get away from that. We're going to have the same thing happen over and over and over again. Got some Hunter Biden news about his latest legal problems. And Tucker Carlson has got some very stirring things to tell us about what's really happening with our media. Hunter News and Tucker Carlson are next. In the steel industry, we dedicate our careers to supporting this country, making products to build infrastructure and skylines, creating jobs, supporting families. And when domestic materials are used, the money stays in our communities. That's what really matters. These people, these places... 
That's worth supporting. Few things bring as much joy as the delicious taste of Coca-Cola. Like your first time camping or falling in love on a blind date. And now, our new Coke bottles are sip-sized and made from 100% recycled materials. So every bottle can live on to create more memories. That's endlessly refreshing. Coca-Cola. Bottles are made from 100% recycled materials excluding cap and label. Enjoy the great taste of Coca-Cola in a new sip-sized bottle that's made of 100% recycled materials. Walls are barriers. They divide, separate, segregate. We've seen walls before. Safe, your safety is the only thing that matters. We design smarter ways to detect motion for emergency dispatch in seconds. We create HD cameras so you could see what's happening in your home from anywhere. All powered by Fast Protect technology, exclusively from Simply Safe for faster police response. Because in here, your safety is the only thing that matters. Advanced home security, 24/7 professional monitoring. There's no safe like Simply Safe. CBS, NBC, ABC, MSNBC, CNN. An alphabet soup of lies, myths, and disinformation. For real nutrition, you need a full plate of truth. TNN, the Truth News Network. Well, you may have been a little rocked yesterday when you heard that the special counsel in the Hunter Biden case, David Weiss, it was announced he dropped one of the gun charges against Hunter Biden. We are told the move is apparently just a procedural step. Associated Press wrote this, the procedural step removes a charge alleging Hunter broke a law against drug users having guns when he bought a gun in 2018. That was during a period he has acknowledged struggling with addiction. President's son is now facing a three-count indictment focused on the same purchase that includes both gun possession and false statement charges. No new tax counts have yet been filed by special counsel David Weiss, who is overseeing the case. Hunter had been expected to avoid prosecution on the gun charge, pled guilty to misdemeanor tax counts. You remember that was part of an agreement with prosecutors, but the deal collapsed when that judge in Delaware raised questions about it in a July hearing and the new indictment was filed weeks later. Hunter's lawyers wrote in an August court filing that Weiss's decision to, quote, renege on the previously agreed-upon plea agreement is still in effect, they're saying, and they say it's binding. The diversion agreement allowed Hunter to plead guilty to misdemeanor tax violations while essentially wiping a felony gun violation from his record. Hunter's lawyer is one of the hotshots, one of the big-time lawyers out there, Abby Lowell, told U.S. Magistrate Judge Christopher Burke on Tuesday he would file a motion to dismiss charges against his client. Lowell believes the July sweetheart plea agreement is still in effect and that the firearms statute, a ban on gun possession for drug users, is unconstitutional. Judge Burke 
told Hunter Biden the motion must be filed by November 3rd. Many, including this guy, me, we question all of the stuff regarding Special Counsel Weiss, who's Delaware prosecuting attorney, federal attorney. That's his full-time gig. He's up to his eyeballs in all of this. He was the one that investigated, and I put the word investigate in uh, quotation marks because he was working on that case for five years, so long that the statute of limitations ran out on it, and Hunter can't be prosecuted for tax fraud on those cases. Now, we're not talking about a few bucks. He didn't mess up on tax returns. He didn't file them on $2 million worth of income. (laughs) Why would they let that happen? Well, David Weiss, this attorney, is in Delaware. Who else is in Delaware? And oh, by the way, Hunter's older son, the one that died of brain cancer, Bo, he and David Weiss were best buddies. You know, it's, it, it, it doesn't matter if you're right or wrong. All that matters is who you know and who will come to uh, take care of you when you get in trouble. So Joe Biden, he continues down this transgender orthodoxy road. His administration is trying to force transgender orthodoxy on ordinary Americans through Equal Employment Opportunity Commission, EEOC. That agency aims to weaponize a federal law that prohibits harassment on the basis of sex in the workplace. And you know what that's about. That process, that policy's been in place for years. You can't harass anybody that is employed in a company of any kind. You can't harass them on the basis of sex in the workplace by forbidding them to believe that biological sex cannot be altered due to one's self-identification. Now, that doesn't mean that's true. But you can't, as an employer or as a fellow worker, forbid employees to believe that biological sex cannot be altered. Federal agency published a proposed rule for workplace harassment on Monday of this week, citing the Supreme Court's decision in Bostock versus Clayton County, which states, and I quote, sex-based discrimination includes discrimination based on sexual orientation and gender identity. You don't think this one's going all the way to the Supreme Court? (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Sex is based on the DNA and the plumbing. I'm just saying. I'm an old boy from South Louisiana, and that's the way it works. Accordingly, sex-based Harassment includes harassment on the basis of sexual orientation and gender identity, including how that identity is expressed. This is the EEOC claiming. Examples include epithets regarding sexual orientation or gender identity, physical assault, 
harassment because an individual does not present in a manner that would stereotypically be associated with that person's gender. Intentional and repeated use of a name or a pronoun inconsistent with the individual's gender identity, or that's called misgendering, or the denial of access to a bathroom or other sex-segregated facility consistent with the individual's gender identity. And then the EEOC offered examples of how this would work in practice, like Jennifer, a cashier at a fast food restaurant who identifies as female, alleges that supervisors, coworkers, and customers regularly and intentionally misgender her. One of her supervisors, Allison, frequently used Jennifer's prior male name, male pronouns, and dude when referring to Jennifer, despite Jennifer's request that Allison use her correct name and pronouns. Other managers also intentionally refer to Jennifer as he. Co-workers have asked Jennifer questions about her sexual orientation and anatomy and asserted that she was not female. Customers also have intentionally misgendered Jennifer and made threatening statements to her, but her supervisors didn't address the harassment, and instead they reassigned her to duties outside of the view of customers. Based on these facts, Jennifer has alleged harassment based on her gender identity. Now, what do you think this is all about? It's about the government, the government telling us anything and everything to do with the First Amendment is really not our right to determine, but that of who? The federal government. Employers, this is part of the rule, employers are not required to accommodate religious expression that creates or reasonably threatens to create a hostile work environment, it says. As with other forms of harassment, an employer should take corrective action before the conduct becomes sufficiently severe or pervasive to create a hostile work environment. Well, there's a new poll out, and it probably won't shock you. We, the people disagree with the content of this regulation that's proposed. A new poll shows that most voters, in fact, almost 70% of us, say that using the wrong pronoun for someone's gender should not be illegal. Federal courts have repeatedly ruled that employers cannot compel employees to endorse speech with which they disagree. Last year, for example, Shawnee State University was ordered to pay 400 grand in damages and attorney's fees for punishing a professor who refused to refer to a male student as a female. The settlement came after a judge previously ruled that the university's treatment of the professor violated his First Amendment rights. Last year, a federal judge stopped the EEOC from implementing a guidance document urging Americans to file complaints against employers who did not adhere to transgender orthodoxy, including acts, 
including acts of so-called misgendering. Can you believe this is, this is out there and we're still dealing with it? How in God's name are we expected to get along and integrate with just general people? When If you misgender somebody, and it doesn't matter how they look or how they dress, we're automatically, we're supposed to know Oh, that's a biological male that self-identifies as, as a female. So I must change the way I speak to them. It's almost like they're forcing us down the road where we don't even talk to people. That's kind of uh, hard to do in a work situation. I think you would agree with that. Let's moving on. We don't have a lot of time. We got 20 minutes left in the show today. Have you heard about the new book that's out? Alex Marlowe wrote Breaking Biden. I haven't read it yet. I've got it, but I haven't had a chance to read it. I've been told it is a spell binder. Once you start, you won't want to lay it out. It is full of verified, confirmed instances of lots of wrongdoing, very controversial business deals that are definitely tied to President Biden and his family. I'm talking about criminal stuff. The details from the book left one host in stunned disbelief. Marlowe raised new red flags about the sale of Hunter's art. Listen to this. This is one thing we all suspected. His attorney, Hunter's attorney, is one of only two people who are known buyers of Hunter's art. He then moved the discussion to Cinepec, a Chinese company that acquired some of America's strategic petroleum reserve. Remember all of that? I've been preaching and griping about it for weeks now. Joe Biden sold almost all of the last of our strategic petroleum reserve to China. Those reserves are of such import to us as a nation, they only are supposed to be tapped in a time of crisis like war or natural disasters. Yet the trading arm of China Petroleum and Chemical Corporation got their hands on almost all of it. And the company just so happens to have a connection to Hunter Biden. BHR Partners, which was founded by Hunter and Devin Archer in 2013, is controlled today by the Bank of China. And Hunter continues to own a piece of BHR. BHR purchased a $1.7 billion stake in Cinepec. That comes from this book, Breaking Biden. Marlowe implied to Maria Bartiromo yesterday that a Chinese company getting our strategic oil reserves makes little or no sense. Besides the fact that there's a Hunter Biden connection, there's no reason for the Chinese to get U.S. strategic oil aside from to benefit the commercial interest of the Biden family, Marlowe said. This is so stunning. Marlowe laid out evidence against the president that could be grounds for impeachment. Alex We've been talking about the fact that the family of Joe Biden may very well still be doing influence peddling through Hunter's art. 
Fox News host Maria Bartiromo said that. What else do they need? The evidence has been overwhelming to impeach this guy. Will they? Marlowe said, we have ample evidence. And you can go back to all of these Chinese business deals where there's still so many stones unturned. For example, the Hunter, Hunter sold Rosemont Realty to an entity that was known by Xi Jinping as the Dragon Head because of its strategic importance. Hunter got paid off for it, but he also retains a stake in that company. We have no idea how much that stake is. And the executive branch is not going to be forthcoming. That's why we need to pursue impeachment because the executive branch is trying to obfuscate and trying not to answer questions, trying not to turn over documentation, communications, and bank records. And they have to do all of this. This all has to get done right away because the deals are limitless and they're ongoing. Marlowe went on to talk about ties between the broader Biden family network and the Bank of China. And that's just one place, he said. How about Ukraine? The tie between Jim Biden, a former nightclub owner who is not only tied into the spy chief of China, which is Hunter Words, not mine, he also has deep ties in Ukraine. All of these are constellations of corruption regarding Biden's entire family, Marlowe added. The world has figured out you pay the Biden family, you get stuff in turn from Joe. Does any of that surprise you? Does any of that surprise you? None of it surprises me. In fact, I'll be shocked if as we move forward towards whatever's going to happen, I'll be shocked if we ever find out all the wrongdoing that's been going on. It's almost like it's layer upon layer, year after year. And looking back, I wonder how far it goes back into Joe Biden's career. Obviously, there's much evidence that shows it was going on when he was vice president for those eight years under Barack Obama. But what about the previous 40 years or so when he was a leader in leadership in the U.S. Senate? How about that? How about what was going on then? We'll probably never know about that. And Donald Trump was impeached twice, the first one for a phone call. We all heard the phone call, uh, the transcript of it, over and over and over again. There was nothing damning in that. But Joe Biden, in public, back here in the U.S., bragging about what he did, what he did, blackmailing the Ukrainian government using a $1 billion loan guarantee coming from the White House. This is when Barack Obama was president. Coming from the White House with a $1 billion loan guarantee for Ukraine. And Joe, when he gets there, he talks to the then Ukrainian president and tells him, you know what? You've got this chief prosecutor, Shokin. You've got him intensely examining and investigating Burisma Holdings, and this guy is corrupt. If you want this loan agreement, you got to fire that guy. And the president of Ukraine said, I, I'm not going to do that. 
And Joe said, well, you're not going to get the loan agreement. And the Ukrainian president said, you don't have that choice. You don't have that responsibility. It's the U.S. president. And Biden bragged and said, call him. In other words, telling the former president of Ukraine to call Barack Obama. And less than six hours later, Joe bragged and said, we got ready to leave and we told him if we left and didn't have that Victor Shokin, that chief prosecutor fired, we're taking that loan agreement back with us. And he said, son of a bee, they fired him. Just days before that, a report came out from the White House congratulating the president of Ukraine, talking about Viktor Shokin and how positive he is and how fair an investigator he is and what a good job he's been doing for the nation of Ukraine. That before that had been known for having the most corrupt government in Europe. You hear this stuff all the time. (laughs) What about this one? Philadelphia District Attorney Larry Krasner. Early in the show, we talked about the DAs around the nation. Those DAs that they let people off. They've changed the type of penalties that are passed out in courts for criminal action done by people, unilaterally doing it, taking away any kind of bail responsibility. Well, Philadelphia District Attorney Larry Krasner is one of those guys, and he is on the George Soros roll. Krasner wants judges to weigh cases against these looters. We've seen them all over Philadelphia and other major cities just ripping businesses apart left and right. Krasner wants judges to weigh the cases against these looters on a case-by-case basis, and his words, restrain from being too hard on, quote, fundamentally law-abiding looters. Doesn't that sound like an oxymoron to you? Fundamentally law-abiding looter. (laughs) If you're a looter, you're breaking the law. (laughs) But he says he's encouraging the judges to not go too hard on fundamentally law-abiding criminals (laughs) when they commit crimes. Krasner has those progressive ties with George Soros. In 2017, it was reported Soros gave nearly 1.7 million bucks to Krasner's campaign, helping him secure the DA office that he's in today. In the wake of the highly publicized scenes of looting that occurred in Philly during the past weeks, Krasner is now asking judges to keep in mind the looters are not all the same. Some of them are actually law-abiding. And this guy actually believes this, and he thinks everybody else should. Krasner said, we're going to prosecute people in an even-handed way. We're not going to let any judge who thinks there is a caste system and some people get better treatment than others, we're not going to let any judge disturb the peace of this city. He added, we'll look carefully to see whether this is a one-off situation and they're fundamentally law-abiding people. Hold them accountable one way or whether they are criminals and they're all about taking advantage of some sort of unrest for their own benefit 
and they will be prosecuted another way. On Monday of this week, Philadelphia Magazine observed that Krasner may be walking back some of the recent arrest of these alleged looters. The magazine quoted Krasner saying, a large number of them are young. They are between the ages of 18 and 25. In general, what we're seeing is that most of them have no criminal record or a minimal criminal record. There are certainly some people in this group who are much more concerning than others. Part of our task will be to make sure we do individual justice in each one of these cases. Now, let me ask you a question. I thought in states, the state, in each state, House of Representatives in the Senate are the ones that craft and pass laws, and the governor of a state signs those into law. Those would be state laws. And then I thought in cities and towns in those settings that the town council, uh, whatever they call their particular organization within their town or city, the ones that are constitutionally set up to be the ones that create and pass laws locally, those would be the ones that would do all that. Krasner, on the other hand, he's saying basically, hey, we're not going to let that happen. We know these people have the constitutional power to enforce these laws that they passed, but some of these laws are egregious. We're not going to prosecute people that we think, even though they're caught in the middle of breaking laws, we're not going to just enforce those laws they broke against any and every one of them. We want these judges, because some of these people are as young as 18, and some of them between 18 and 25, they're good people. They don't have a criminal record or they have a minimal criminal record. Let me ask you this. Where in the law does it make what Krasner, this DA, is claiming, where in the law is it made legal? And is it smart for us to even think about living in an environment where this kind of stuff is normalized. Now, we're right now in the middle of a very broad investigation into possibly impeaching our current president. And there are lots of instances of wrongdoing that have been revealed, not yet directly tied to Joe Biden But from South Louisiana, where I come from, when it quacks and waddles, it's always a duck. And the duck is quacking at the White House. All that being said, no president has a right to not see to it that laws that are passed by Congress and that a previous president signed into law, you can't just blow them away. You've got to follow the law. That's the oath of office that each of them took that they were going to do. And they promised to do it. They got to do it. They got to be made to do it. Wow. Big Friday show here at TNN Live. You guys have a great weekend. Enjoy it. Do fun things with your family. 
We'll see you Monday morning, 9 a.m., 9 to 11 a.m. every weekday at TNN Live. Don't forget about our bullet points tomorrow morning. Have a good one.